Okay, today I'm chatting with Drew Simon. I was on his podcast a couple of weeks ago and returned the favor and he jumped on the Task podcast yesterday. He's the founder of Crypto Altruism. They're a blog and community of practice focusing on social impact use cases for cryptocurrency and blockchain. Drew has a wealth of experience in the nonprofit and higher education sectors and he's helped charities around the world secure millions in funding to support their missions. And he's a Web3 enthusiast, which is what we dig into. So, We discuss what Drew's seeing in terms of the opportunities and benefits to the social sector, how blockchain technology, decentralization, token-based economics and NFTs can lead to positive change. So I hope you enjoy it. Here's my conversation with Drew Simon. Hey Drew, welcome to the Task Podcast. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me, Matt. I really appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. We'll return the favor because obviously I was on yours um, a few weeks ago and hmm. I think we were meant to jump on the following week, had a few bit of back and forth, mainly me, <laughs> me uh, having to change things. But yeah, it's good to good to get you on. So and looking forward to chatting about the whole crypto Web3 uh, nonprofit space. And, you know, I think a similar hmm. chat that, that we had. So um, I will have for the audience, I will have just done a, a brief introduction on, on yourself and and um you know crypto altruism but brief as it is i'd love you to just maybe just give us a bit more of a wider perspective on you know what you do what crypto altruism is all about and then we can dig into stuff further yeah so um again thank you so much for having me matt i really appreciate uh being here and speaking about the amazing intersections of web3 and social impact um and so my background is in social impact in the uh in the traditional sense working for you know, a variety of different nonprofits over the years, and also in higher education in Canada, uh, working for some universities and colleges. Um, I uh, started my own consultancy a couple of years back in the social impact space to help with more strategic planning and fundraising for nonprofits. Um, and at the same time, I was introduced to crypto, um, more kind of like from individuals I knew that had invested in it. Um, and I didn't originally see those kind of social impact use cases because at first I wasn't really diving into the technology, but then I started to dive a bit more into the technology and learn a little bit more about it. And then I start to see some of these, you know, really cool, um, use cases, but I didn't really find a space dedicated, you know, to highlighting this, right. To showcasing the good of crypto. On the contrary, I saw a lot in the news about the negative side of it, right? How it is terrible for the environment or only used by scammers or criminals to launder money or to carry out ransomware attacks or those sorts of things, right? Um, but, at, at, you know, I was, I was hearing that from the kind of the mainstream media, if you will, or, or just um, those that were outside of the Web3 space, but inside the Web3 space, I was seeing all the good that was being done, the ways that they were using it to raise funds for charitable causes, to implement new solutions, like, like you do a task to support nonprofits in the implementation of their missions. Um, so I decided to launch a platform dedicated to highlighting the good of Web3. Uh, and we do this through a podcast, a blog, and you know, through creating resources such as infographics, curated lists of projects, those sorts of things. So um, yeah, I think that um, you know, it just really came from you know, me as someone that was interested in the social impact use case of the tech, not being able to find a place to really learn about that. And so I decided to make a place to learn about it and to make a place that was accessible uh, to those in the social impact space, because I know that new technologies can be intimidating, right? Uh, and it was for me, because I'm not someone that comes from a, you know, a dev background or, 
you know, knows that side of it, you know, super well. Um, so I wanted to make a, a space for people like me that worked in the social impact space that were interested in engaging with this technology and using it for all of its amazing use cases um, and just making an accessible, uh, easy to understand you know, space for them to, to engage with the, with this technology. Awesome. You know, as you're talking there, I'm remembering the first question you asked me on your podcast and I'm going to pinch it and throw it back at you because I did a terrible job of answering it actually, but it's a great question. And I think really relevant because obviously you've not, you've come from a a nonprofit social impact, uh, you know, kind of background, Mm -hmm. and then you've come into technology and you're looking at where those things meet and where one can, or where the tech can benefit the, the, the various missions. But, um, yeah, I, you know, the question you asked me was, what was your aha moment with, you mm-hmm. know, Web3, with crypto? When was it? Why was it? Um, interested to, to kind of know that. So, Yeah, for sure. Um, you know, it's funny because I ask this question all the time on my podcast, every guest that I've had, uh, but it's one that I always uh, sometimes go, hmm, and I have to think back on myself. But I think for me, it really comes back to that, um, seeing a bit of a, you know, um, seeing a bit of a disconnect between the technology and the way that it was being presented. But then also, you know, for me, it was just seeing the generosity of the crypto community was kind of the aha moment for me, right? Um, you know, because there is this perception of the space. And, you know, you've heard, heard the quotes that, oh, it's a shadowy group of super coders or, you know, those sorts of things that are, you know, basement dwellers that just kind of are, are out to, to flip something for a lot of money or to scam someone, right? Um, yeah. But I was seeing just such a generous and, and, and supportive and inclusive community that was, you know, welcoming and that wanted to do good and that wanted to use the technology for good. And I kind of like went to see that, you know, like if you look at the corporate space, uh, you know, social impact or corporate social responsibility is kind of like a thing that they do on the side, right? Maybe to um, for, for a public relations side of things or something like that. Whereas in the Web3 space, it really was a feature, you know. I was seeing that almost every project that I was looking at had some sort of social impact kind of lens or focus to it. Um, and so to me, that was kind of the aha moment saying that, okay, you know, I'm seeing all this negative about the space, but really like I'm seeing just like a super awesome, you know, supportive, inclusive and generous group of individuals. And, you know, I think one of the more recent aha moments that, that have happened for me, and, and for me, it's kind of a series of aha moments that are ongoing and I'm sure there'll be more in the future was just seeing like the massive, um, just amount of, of funds that folks are, are willing to donate in crypto and, and how much bigger it is than the traditional giving space. And, and I'll give an example. Uh, and there's been num- a number of studies that have come up that have shown that crypto donors are more generous than, than traditional donors. And uh, I know from uh, Crypto Giving Tuesday back in November, uh, the giving block uh, did a lot of um, kind of data collection around that. And they found that the average crypto donation was 98.4 times higher than the average uh, fiat so, the size of, so the size of the the gift was yeah. yeah 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 and so for me like those and i just keep seeing studies after study <clears throat> saying the same thing right and that kind of reinforces to me that you know this is a very generous community that wants to do good do, do you think that i mean i don't know the all the tax rules in the us and i, I don't want to be mm-hmm. you know but just putting <laughs> you know looking at it from the outside is is any of that mm-hmm. motivation tax related because there are better tax breaks for crypto or is it the same if i give a major donation in fiat and i give a major donation in crypto is it is because i know that a lot of the giving block they are a lot of their value proposition is around tax um capital gains yeah. tax right so yeah yeah for sure and i'm obviously not a, a tax expert myself but i do know that there is a lot of benefit obviously to donating crypto because then you don't have to sell it, realize a capital gain, be taxed on that capital gain, and then donate yeah. 
you know, afterwards, you can just donate it and, and kind of avoid that, skip that step. Right. Uh, so yeah, there definitely are, are benefits to it. Um, and I think that, you know, what we're seeing though is like, because obviously donating securities like stocks and, and stuff has been around for forever. Right. Um, but we're just also not seeing the same level of kind of, um, uh, philanthropic engagement in that space in the traditional markets as we are in, in the crypto markets as well. Right. So yeah, it's interesting. And obviously it's very new and it's all growing really quickly. So, you know, maybe it's too early to draw any, you know, huge conclusions, but um, you know, everything's pointing towards that this is a space that's really going to have a social impact focus moving forward to the future. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it, again, I, I know the guys from the giving block and actually, I mean, just, I, I don't know their kind of numbers here today, but certainly just from looking at their social posts, there is a pin and upward trend for some time. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think, I mean, that, yeah, part of that is obviously giving, but also part of it is adoption within the nonprofit sector, right? Mm-hmm. You know, are you seeing a lot more from your perspective, seeing a lot more nonprofits kind of adopt? Well, there's two things. You adopt the technology, but there's also, you know, just being able to take crypto donations. I want to chat. I mean, they're two different things to me. One is, yeah, hey, I'm a nonprofit. I want to take crypto donations. The other thing is, hey, this technology can benefit me in other ways. But yeah, I mean, a double question, really. I mean, are you, I assume you agree with that and you're seeing that kind of rise of the amount of crypto donations, but are you, are you also, are you seeing interesting use cases of where the technology blockchain, and we'll talk about NFTs later, but are benefiting nonprofits and they're using it in different ways to kind of, you know, make their operation more effective and other things. Yeah, for sure. And I've always kind of said that like, um, you know, for nonprofits, accepting crypto donations shouldn't be the end goal. It should be like the starting point, uh, kind of like the foot in the door to the Web3 space, right? Because really, uh, that's that's great, and accepting crypto donations is is you know fantastic. It can bring them, open them up to a new market of donors. But really, like, there's so much more, really. So that should just be kind of the like, you know, testing the waters in a sense, right? And so we're seeing a lot of nonprofits. Obviously, the amount of nonprofits accepting crypto donations growing at an exponential rate. But we're also seeing a lot of these nonprofits and NGOs find other innovative use cases for blockchain, right? And so whether it's we've seen some that have uh, partnered with. Uh, organizations like, let's say, Impact Markets to deliver universal basic income programs uh, to to refugee communities, right? Uh, We've seen uh, the World Food Program, for example, uh, one of the biggest, if not the biggest NGOs in the world um, using blockchain uh, to to create a new way to disperse uh, aid to to folks in a number of refugee camps where they can, instead of uh, using cash vouchers or cash to purchase essential items, they can use uh, cryptocurrency or um, just by scanning their their iris at a grocery store and then it automatically deducts it from their wallet, right? So they don't have to, and it's all on chain. So they don't have to worry about, you know, handling cash and all the logistics that comes with that. We've seen um, organiz- uh, nonprofits. Uh, there's there's one in, uh, I think it's in the Philippines uh, called uh, Reese that's using blockchain to track ocean uh, plastic removal, right? So like there's so many use cases like that that we're seeing nonprofits make use of technology to, to more efficiently deliver their services uh, in a way that meets the needs of the, of the beneficiaries more. Um, so there's definitely other use cases. And I think that that's, you know, growing at a rapid pace. I think it's still very early for that. And a lot of nonprofits are still getting comfortable with kind of the idea of crypto donations as a first step, but it really should be the first step. And I think that, you know, five to 10 years down the road, I think that we will see blockchain more seamlessly integrated into a lot of the processes of nonprofits and NGOs and, you know, really being an essential part of how they deliver their services. 
yeah, I do hope you're right. I think there's so much great application for it. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. we, you know, this is your opportunity, not mine, but I know we spoke a lot about the work we're doing at Task. So, however, mm-hmm, absolutely, we've. But however, I do, you know, as a caveat, you know, it is really difficult as well with the sector in mm-hmm. general. And I've, you know, before Task, I've spent probably ten years working with nonprofits in a technology consulting perspective, mm-hmm. and they are. It is not an easy landscape. I've not had so much exposure in the US, but I mean, you know, putting the tech aside, you know, what, what are the challenges you you see in the nonprofit sector? I mean, or not putting the tech aside, you know, maybe that is part of the challenge, but just mm-hmm. generally in terms of the charity sector and, you know, how, how do you see it? What are the problems you see and, and how can it be better, I suppose? Yeah, for sure. So I think that we're seeing definitely more competition, competition with fewer resources and and maybe not competition, but also more need with fewer resources, right? And I think a lot of that came from COVID as well. That really nonprofits were already struggling before COVID um, to be able to deliver their services with the resources that were available to them. And then COVID came and kind of really changed everything, obviously. Um, it meant that maybe there was fewer people or more people that needed to access their services, but fewer people that were, you know, donating. And then inflation came in as well. And that, that has really... Uh, impacted nonprofits. We've seen, you know, to start the year, fewer donations going into nonprofits across the sector. Um, so that's definitely, definitely one uh, there. There's been, uh, you know, in the folks that I've been working with, there's been challenges uh, identified in terms of accessing grant funding that was available in the past because priorities have changed and just the amount of funding available from uh, funders has, has gone down. So there's been some challenges there that I've been hearing from the folks that I've been working with and that I've been seeing myself through my work. Um, I think another one is, is being able to reach a new um, emerging donor demographic. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, I, I know that in, in Canada and a lot of other uh, countries, there's an aging population. And those are the folks that were traditionally the donors in, in the space that, um, you know, and those are the ones that were maybe targeted by traditional mailer campaigns or traditional fundraising events and those sorts of things. But I think that nonprofits need to adapt to these new emerging donor demographics that are more um, engaged with technology um, you know, different ways of doing things that embrace innovation and transparency. So I think that there's a shift going on there, you know, and I think going back to tech again, I think that, you know, just adapting to new technologies, right. Whether it is a blockchain or whether it's AI or, you know, moving to cloud-based system, all those different pieces, there's so many different, uh, technological revolutions happening right now that, that nonprofits are, are struggling to keep up with, right. Because I think nonprofits are traditionally risk averse. Um, they have to be, you know, good stewards of donor funds. They have little to work with. They need to do a lot. Um, so they're really often scared to engage with these new technologies, right? Because there is some risk that comes with that. So I think it's navigating that risk as well. And that kind of risk reward payoff that, uh, or trade-off that is, uh, that is another challenge that nonprofits are facing. And also just doing that with the capacities that they have, right? When they're working to do more with less. Yeah. Right. That, you, I mean, you got me thinking there just about, I mean, the, the mm-hmm. donor, landscape i mean it's so you know from a age point of view demographically i mean Mm -hmm. it's so different a you know 20 year old how a 20 year old gives versus how a you know someone of of 60 70 gives i mean Mm -hmm. and i know we didn't pre-chat we didn't talk about this actually but i've had a number of podcasts with fundraisers and this seems to be like one of the biggest challenges for Mm -hmm. you know the more and and you know, for the more established older nonprofits is working out how to deal with, what would it be, Gen Z? Never good with my, uh, anyway. Yeah, I, you think know, so. <laughs> I think so. I think it's, you know what I mean? Anyway, you know, the 20 yeah. somethings of which generosity wise, 
you know, statistically, there's a lot more giving, actually. You know, are you seeing in, in your work that this is a challenge or that, that nonprofits are keeping up with it, are, are adapting well to the kind of younger, more what seem to be more generous generations that want to change the world, which is great? Yeah, I think so. I think that some are doing better than others. I think that some are, um, you know, worried about alienating their traditional donors um, by changing their approaches too drastically. And I've actually heard that from folks too, when it comes to accepting crypto donations, that they're worried about what that, you know, might look like to their legacy donors that because there is this stigma attached to it, right? Um, so I think that, you know, some are doing better than others. Some have made great use of, um, you know, social media and, and, and Web3 and have done a great job engaging with the space uh, where some have just really, really struggled. And to me, it's not, you know, a matter of, of if, but when they need to make these shifts. Um, and, and so I do worry that those that aren't, you know, taking it seriously and they're trying too hard to double down on kind of the way that they've done things before are going to, to really struggle in the long term. So, yeah, I think that um, we're, I think that there's a lot of nonprofits that have been really successful in embracing this this shift. Um, and those are the ones that I think will, will succeed in the long term. Yeah. Well, that's a good segue because we're talking about, you know, those generations and, uh, and I want to mention mm -hmm. NFTs, of course, um, this kind of wacky world of NFTs, which I'm immersed yeah. in right, right now and chatting about every day. And, it, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. actually when you talk about NFTs every day, you think everyone knows about them and then you realize it's, it's still a, you know, okay. Yeah. It's been this explosion in, in, you know, last year, but it's still very mm -hmm. small in terms of the world. What what has been your exposure to NFTs and and you know, obviously around the nonprofit sector and but just in general, you know, NFTs. Have you been exposed to it at all as a technology? I'm assuming so with your web free focus mm -hmm. and you know, what are you seeing that in terms of stuff happening in the nonprofit sector or the you know the more future benefits of it? Yeah, oh, I think it's so cool because. You know, NFTs, it's funny, like when I talk to those that are outside of the Web3 space, you know, I'll often get like, you know, a snide kind of remark, oh, NFTs are just a JPEG or something like that, or they don't really have any sort of utility. But, you know, I'm seeing the opposite. I think that there's some really exciting utility for nonprofits. Uh, and, and we've seen some that have really started to engage with it. Even, you know, UNICEF in the UN has uh, launched uh, NFT collections to support their, uh, their causes, right? So we're definitely seeing it. Uh, being embraced by some of these uh, larger and smaller nonprofits, and and in many different ways that we're seeing it used, and one is through fundraising, obviously, is is a you know a very uh, simple and easy to see kind of use case, and you know proceeds from mint sales, uh, but then also secondary sales, you know, having that kind of recurring revenue where a portion of uh, of the sale in perpetuity or of secondary sales in perpetuity goes to these nonprofits to kind of create this ongoing source of revenue, which hasn't really been. A mechanism to do that before, which is really exciting. Um, yeah. So we've seen uh, hundreds of thousands, millions being raised through fundraising, through uh, the sales of NFTs for, for nonprofits. Um, we've also seen them used for raising awareness, right? I interviewed a project on my podcast a, a couple uh, weeks back uh, that's working in, uh, in in Kenya with this group of, of women called Shoshoji Kenge, um, who are essentially was a group of women who banded together to teach each other self-defense, to defend themselves against uh, gangs that target women in the slums at, at night, right? And uh, they uh, used NFTs to highlight the, their stories while also raising funds to uh, to support their cause. So it's kind of having those two purposes of, of raising the funds, but also raising awareness, you know, at the same time, right? Um, yeah, we've also seen, uh, you know, certain uh, collections released for certain causes. And a good example is 
uh, with with the crisis in Ukraine right now, there's a group called uh, Image Aid. Uh, that's image with a, with a three instead of an E and then aid, um, where they have uh, 57 photographers that have come together that are releasing their um, their images as as NFTs and and, and raising funds for Ukraine. Um, so we're seeing kind of like movements emerge around certain causes. I know that uh, Ukraine DAO, uh, which was a DAO that was started in response, uh, released a, a one-for-one NFT that uh, they sold for a ton of money that went directly to Ukraine. Uh, so that's that's exciting. So we're also seeing them use uh, nonprofits use NFTs for experiences as well. And, and you know this is still very early, but I think that there's some really exciting use cases here where you know maybe in the past when you made a donation you get just like a tax receipt or a thank you letter. Uh, we've seen NF- NFTs being used to commemorate uh, donations, right? As a way to like recognize uh, donors, uh, you know, also providing some sort of utility, maybe access to special events, maybe a wearable that they can uh, have in the metaverse or some to, re- to commemorate that they made this contribution to this nonprofit, uh, virtual fundraising events, you know, those sorts of things, making use of, uh, or again, NFTs is kind of the, the ticket to get in. So there's, there's many different use cases that I think are being explored with NFTs uh, that go well beyond just using them as a way to raise funds. So, yeah, I think it's really exciting and, and it's still really early in that uh, space. And, and what I've seen in terms of nonprofits engaging has mostly been through that fundraising side of things using NFTs as a way to raise funds. But again, just like with crypto philanthropy, that's just the, the foot in the door. And there's so much that can be done with this technology. Yeah, there is. I mean, you hit on loads of really cool stuff there. And I'll, I'll get mm-hmm. some link, links off you with those use cases. Yeah. Are interesting. Um, I just want to bring up one thing, I, you know, and this is because I'm talking about this every day at the moment, which is mm-hmm. this utility element is is key because otherwise you know mm-hmm. often you'll get the question well why is this an nft because there's lots of different ways to do things but that mm-hmm. you know the the second trades and future trades i think is really interesting for the nonprofit sector because like mm-hmm. you just said this is this opens up uh, you know an opportunity for solving a problem and providing something that hasn't really been done before which is you know, I, I like to think of it as it's almost like a tradable donation. Hey, I can donate. Yeah. And then someone, you know, you can create this community around donating and, and, you know, ultimately, you know, I as a donor might get something back and then the nonprofit gets more. And, you know, you can really, I think any fundraising manager now that's looking at Web3 really wants to be looking at this opportunity around the, mm-hmm. the retra- retrade of these assets and assets and bringing more money. And I mean, it's, yeah, it's a really fascinating use case, I think, for the nonprofit sector. Yeah, for sure. And I think that it like kind of it's the idea of like doing well by doing good, right? So you can like, I think that NFTs present an opportunity for uh, individuals to do but uh, to do both to contribute to an important cause while also you know getting something cool out of it themselves that again could be traded in the future, right? Um, and, and using the example of the the um the NFT project I highlighted with the, it's called Super Grannies, the one in, in Kenya with the Shosha Dikenge Society of Women. Um, you know, you'd be supporting a really important cause by purchasing an NFT, but at the same time, getting a really cool NFT that could, in theory, maybe appreciate in value, right? And then that could also then benefit the, the quote unquote donor. Uh, so I think that like, yeah, that does create a new kind of mechanism for incentivizing Um social impact uh, behaviors or, or, or philanthropy that hasn't existed before, which I think is really excited. Yeah, for sure. One, one um, question I get both on, you know, podcasts and on phone calls daily almost mm-hmm. is, is, 
yeah, what about the problem with energy consumption? Uh, yeah. you know, it's not, we've obviously got a good answer with our platform being built on Stellar and not really having that issue. But the, yeah. whole, sec- the whole sector is tainted, uh, rightfully so, I think, because of the... Mm-hmm. You know, the, the Ethereum's and, and the Bitcoins, obviously Ethereum, I think 80% of NFTs are on Ethereum. Are you seeing mm-hmm. are you seeing good answers to that? Are you seeing, you know, it being a real problem? Because I think it was WWF had a real issue having to pull down a, a campaign because, you know, they're a conservation business and then they've got, you know, NFTs up there and, and it's it's a problem for the environment. You, do you get that question? Are you, are you getting the same kind of obvious kickbacks and, and you know, around that stuff? Oh yeah, for sure. Cause I think that like, you know, that even though a small segment of segment of the web three space is kind of like on that proof of work, uh, well, not a small segment, obviously Bitcoin and Ethereum are huge, but there's so much other, um, you know, blockchains and projects as well. And obviously Ethereum is making the shift to proof of stake as well. Um, so I think that, you know, absolutely. I get that question all the time. And I think, you know, there are definitely some challenges and I'm not one to, to, to push that aside and say, Oh no, you know, there's nothing, whatever, it's all just, you know, smoke and, and whatnot. There are some serious environmental challenges when it comes to the, you know, Web3 space that need to be addressed. And I think that there are some tangible steps that are being taken. I think when it comes to NFTs, we've we've seen um, some projects that offset uh, the carbon uh, being used uh, for, for minting and the transactions of the NFTs. So when they purchase it, they're also, you know, paying for that carbon offset. Um, you know, we've seen, uh, obviously, there's NFT projects that are on more uh, other uh, on proof of stake or other blockchains that aren't using a proof of work protocol as well. Uh, we're seeing for when it comes to Bitcoin, uh, we're seeing many different uh, innovative use cases for uh, making mining more sustainable. Obviously, it's still not enough and mining uses a lot of, of energy and not always clean energy, of course. Um, but yeah, absolutely. And I think that there is some uh, interesting things that are being done to address that. And on, and on the flip side, too, I think there's some really cool uh, environmental use cases for blockchain, right? Uh, the United Nations has actually even recognized this and saying that, yes, you know, there are some challenges and, and, you know, the, the energy intensity of, of Bitcoin is, is problematic, but at the same time, blockchain can be used in so many exciting ways to, um, you know, to better track carbon emissions for more, uh, kind of transparent supply chains, which can bring greater efficiency and less waste. For creating, um, you know, some other use case we've seen tokenization of carbon sequestering assets, for example, uh, of carbon credits, uh, community-driven climate uh, movements through DAOs. Like, so there's so many other use cases as well. And so, you know, I think that there are some real challenges that need to be addressed when it comes to the environmental impact of some uh, blockchains. Uh, you know, and at the same time, I think that there's so much good that can be done in the fight against climate change and for climate restoration with blockchain. Yeah, cool. I could, obviously couldn't agree more. We're working on environmental mm-hmm. projects, and we're in this space. So just good to good to hear you highlight the same stuff. And it mm-hmm. is difficult. It is difficult because I just think you know once messaging is out there in the world, you know people often don't dig deeper than the messaging to understand what mm-hmm. what's really going on below, below. And there's always you know nuanced arguments to this stuff, which there certainly is with this. And I think yeah, yeah, agreeing with you know the environmental benefits of some of these services and solutions around you know tracking environmental assets providing more liquidity mm-hmm. allowing more to get done I, I think it way balances it out but um yeah good to hear yeah. your kind of re- reflections on that mm-hmm. um somewhat of a final question i've got a feeling i might have pinched it off you again as well so i'm, I'm you know okay. your podcast yeah. but, uh, but uh you know if you could name one thing that excites you most about you know the social impact potential of web3 um, and you may have already mentioned it, so fine if you mm-hmm. mention something again. But you know, what what would it be? What would 
you know excite you most about the, the kind of social impact opportunity and potential of web three yeah yeah so it's funny because again i ask this one frequently on my podcast but i struggled because to me like you know i think of this question like a million things come to mind right about these amazing use cases but the one that kind of really stood out for me was um just the ability of web three to enable greater community driven impact um so we've seen uh, for example, the ability for communities to organize around causes they care about through, let's say, starting a DAO uh, to raise funds uh, and, to, and to drive decision making within communities and to, and to create kind of community driven grassroots movements. Uh, we've seen even communities starting community currencies to incentivize certain behaviors. And, um, you know, so I think that that's something that's really cool. Like we've seen that just the power of, um, you know, crypto fundraising campaigns and NFT campaigns to enact change and to raise funds to support important causes. I mean, you look at Ukraine, there's been, I think, somewhere over $150 million in crypto donations made now uh, to humanitarian organizations and to the Ukrainian government directly, which is very interesting as well and, and something that hasn't happened before. Um, so I think that like that ability for communities to kind of like have the mechanisms to enact change, you know, I think Web3 gives them the tools to do that that maybe didn't exist before right to be a part of some really cool movement to be a part of something bigger um and so that to me is something that really stands out but I, again i want to go back to again like blockchain to help fight climate change like climate change is the existential crisis of our of our times like you know it is it is the most pressing issue that we are facing as humanity um, and, and, it, and it intersects with so many different things it intersects obviously with poverty and hunger it intersects with uh, gender equity, right? In so many different ways. And so I think that when it comes to, to that, blockchain can play an essential role. And like I said, we've, you know, there's use cases of, of using it to track and monitor emissions, um, to create immutable records of, of emissions that can't be tampered with, uh, you know, using it to track ocean cleanup, like I mentioned. I think that, uh, you know, you had mentioned uh, with Task, one of the use cases is using uh, blockchain and and um, and uh, currencies to incentivize uh, collecting data. I think it was on uh, tiger conservation, maybe in, in Thailand. Right? There's like some really cool use cases there. Uh, but then also creating more efficient supply chains. Uh, we've seen a number of projects emerge there that that is their focus, using blockchain to create more efficient and more transparent uh, and more energy efficient supply chains. And but then we've also seen this refi uh, regenerative finance movement. Merge as well, which is really cool. And so we've seen the uh, carbon credit-backed currencies like ClimateDAO that you know buy up carbon credits and lock them up. So you know, in theory, shifting the market so that it raises the prices of carbon credits, which incentivizes corporations and individuals to make more environmentally responsible behaviors because the cost of offsetting is is higher, right? So um, we've seen some unique approaches like that as well. We've seen a Cello Foundation is looking to uh, tokenize a rainforest to back their stablecoin um, and this idea of uh, natural capital backed currency. So like, again, like there's so many use cases that I can go on about with when it comes to climate change that are so interesting uh, and really that I think will be extremely impactful as we look to address this, this very serious crisis that we're facing as humanity. Awesome, Joe. I, there's some really cool stuff in there, and I, I will definitely we'll get some of these links. So for anyone listening, yeah, absolutely, uh, we'll we'll put them in the notes. I'll put them in the blog um, post that I, that I publish out, so people can jump mm -hmm. in there and and you know go into any of these use cases in more detail. But I really appreciate you sharing um, your insights. W one more thing, slightly off topic. Mm -hmm. uh, obviously, the audience is is it, it's um, audio only, but we're on video on Zoom. You got three guitars mm -hmm. behind you and a Marshall amp, so. Uh, <laughs> I'm making the uh, 
sensible link you're obviously a musician i'm assuming you you have probably been quite excited just by the you know the web3 and 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 nft uh kind of reshuffle of what will happen for for musicians and, and artists i suppose oh absolutely i think you look at the traditional music sector and art sector and and when it comes to music i know you know you look at spotify for example you know artists get a fraction of a penny you know for their streams of their of their content online you know record labels i think give somewhere like 10% of like proceeds of of sales to to artists right and so really when it comes to the art space these middlemen or intermediaries whether it's record labels or you know professional arts institutions that have acted kind of as the gatekeeper to the world of professional arts um have really made it hard for for artists to kind of thrive in this this where this starving artist you know idea comes from right whereas i think with nfts it creates a way for uh, to empower artists by bringing al- allowing them to bring their their works directly to uh to the community and really realizing the full value of that right um and so i think that yeah and especially when it comes to creating greater equity in this space right because traditionally i think the professional arts and music world has really been uh, something that has uh, really benefited uh, those from obviously developed or higher income countries uh, more. And I think that this presents opportunities from uh, artists from all over the world to bring forward their works, to have a platform to do so without the need for these middlemen organizations, right, to kind of gatekeep. So, yeah, I think that it's really cool, some of these um, use cases when it comes to the world of, uh, of art and, and how it will change things and create greater, greater equity and access in the world of art. Yeah. Awesome. Couldn't, couldn't uh, agree more. And I think we've got a really fascinating decade ahead with this stuff. We're only really just in the beginning, scratching the surface. So, you know, it's, it's hard to know what we'll be looking back on in 10 years, but definitely exciting. Absolutely. Stuff. Look, really, really appreciate you joining and, and sharing your insights and allowing me to pinch a couple of your questions from your, course, from your podcast. Yeah. So, um, if people want to find out more about you, your organization, do you just want to share, you know, where they should look for you on, on social? And I'll also yeah. leave links in all the notes as well. Absolutely. So our website is cryptoaltruism.org. Uh, you can find our podcast on Spotify and Google Podcasts. It's just the Crypto Altruism Podcast. And uh, follow us on Twitter at crypto underscore altruism. Uh, that's the best way to follow along. And uh, yeah, definitely reach out. My DMs are always open. Cool. Drew, it's been great. Hopefully we'll work out some sort of campaign we can work on together. Obviously, there's a lot of synergy with what you know, you're doing and we're doing. So we'll talk about that separately. But um, yeah, otherwise, thanks for joining and I'll leave you to, to your day. Yeah, no, thank you, uh, Matt, for having me. Really appreciate it. Thank you for the great work you're doing with Task and with this podcast to uh, shine a light on the good being done in this space and to create you know, tangible tools to, to do good uh, with, with Task. Uh, so thank you for having me. Let's keep the conversation going. Hey, thanks for listening to the Task Podcast and hope you found it interesting. If you'd like to get in touch and have a chat with myself, Matt, or one of the team, then we are at hello at task.io and we'd love to speak to you. Cheers.